Grace and peace to you. These are, are a beautiful and amazing and real things from God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, dear Christian friends. This month, we're beginning our year at Foundation in Worship talking about habits, right? And if you remember, habits are small steps done repeatedly over time that lead to a big result. And the reason part of it is why we're talking about this time of year is because people in January, New Year, that kind of thing, they tend to make goals, right? Maybe it's a resolution. Maybe it's just, I want to do this this year. It's a goal. The thing is, goals all by themselves don't actually accomplish anything. A goal without a plan is just a Come on, you've heard this before, right? A goal without a plan is just a wish. Oh, I wish this would happen, but I have no way to get there, right? You have to have a plan. And habits are the way that step by step, little by little, day by day, you work towards that goal. We've been talking about all these different goals um, last week about our, our spiritual health right? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. And this week we're going to talk about something that everybody, I think, probably acknowledges is a problem. It has to do with our feelings. And every guy in here just internally rolled his eyes. It has to do with our emotional health. And the thing is, you probably don't look at it that way. I'm guessing once I start going, you're going to say, I thought this was about feelings. Because we all recognize we have a problem. You have a problem. You have a problem that you'd say, I have a problem with, and maybe it's you eat too much, or you drink too much, or you spend too much. Maybe it's that you're not really all that nice to the person that you call your spouse. Maybe it's that you talk pretty disrespectfully to your parents. Maybe it's that You're so stressed out, you barely sleep. Maybe it's that you are so worried that it's really hard to be happy at all. Maybe it's hard to be happy at all for people who enjoy success. The list could go on and on and on. We all have a problem. We all know this, right? And the way that we normally deal with it is behavior modification. That means you figure out what the problem is and you change it. That's why we go on a diet, right? That's why we begin an exercise plan. Because I see this problem and I'm going to do this to change it. I'm going to modify the behavior. So we change our eating. We change our exercise. We change this. We try to be happier. We try this. But it might work for a little while. But if you've ever tried this, I mean, there's a reason why diets are usually called fads, right? Because, yeah, you do great for like two weeks, and then boom, crash. It comes back, right? The, the newness of it wears off, and the reality sets back in, and the behavior is right back where it started because nothing actually changed. Think about it like mold. You ever had to deal with mold? I mean, we live in semi-arid Colorado, so it's, it's a lot less common. But if you've ever lived in a, a little bit more damp or humid climate, or if you've ever had a leaky shower, 
you've seen mold. And if you find mold in your basement or from leaking from somewhere, you know what you got to do, right? You got to go and you got to put on the mask and get the special cleaner and the gloves and the whole deal. And you got to clean it up and maybe you got to scrape it off. And you get done and you go, oh, good, done. But if you know anything about mold, you're not actually done. Because mold is only the end result. The root cause the moisture getting into the basement or the leaking shower or whatever it is, the root cause is still there. And if you don't address that and fix the moisture problem, well, you're just going to end up right back at the moldy result again and again and again and again. And the same is true with our behavior. If you just try to change this behavior, you're going to end up falling back into it again and again and again. Because we need to understand something about ourselves. It's something you probably know, at least on some level, but it's really important to, to put this into words. And so it's our first takeaway this morning. That behaviors on the outside are the result of messages on the inside. Now, I didn't come up with this this week. It's not like a profound, whoa, pastor, that's deep and insightful. It's not. Well, it is, but it's not new to me. In fact, it's, it's really old, over 3,000 years old. And it actually comes from a guy who is acknowledged, God said it, to be the wisest man who ever lived. Because Solomon wrote these words in Proverbs chapter 4, above all else, so how important is this? Eh, it's right up there, right? It's more important than exercise regimen, than diet regimen, than getting enough sleep, than this, than th all these other things, right? Above all else, do what? Guard your heart. And here's why. For everything you do, flows from it. Wow. Now please understand when Solomon says guard your heart, he doesn't mean that everybody in here should be wearing like a tactical bulletproof vest to protect this organ that pumps blood through our body. He's talking about, he's using the word heart in the same way that, that throughout the Bible the word heart is used. It's the center, it's really the, the core of your being. It's the center of your spiritual and emotional being. And he says, that place, that place in you that processes, that reacts and responds when life happens, above all else, guard it. Because everything you do, everything you do flows out of your heart. Let me give it to you in a diagram. So, maybe you know this. There are things that are going to happen in your life. We call them events. Events are going to happen. Maybe the event is going to be that your car breaks down. That's a bad event. Maybe the event is going to be you get a promotion. That's a good event. Maybe, the, and they happen every day, right? Maybe it's just you get stuck in traffic. Ugh. It's a bad event. 
Maybe you find an extra, the 20 bucks in your pocket that you forgot was in there. That's a good event, right? We have these events, good, bad, that happen all the time. They happen multiple times every day. And these events by themselves are not bad, but these events cause us to feel. We feel things because that's the way God made you to be. All the Germans in here are a little uncomfortable right now. We aren't supposed to feel things, but you are. God made you to be an emotional creature. We're actually going to look at that a little bit in our, our life group Bible study, how emotions aren't wrong. Feelings aren't bad. That's who God has made us to be, to have feelings. Now, the result of these feelings, when we feel something, it results in a behavior. And the behavior can be either good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, that we deal with this situation, this problem, in a good way or a bad way. And those behaviors, well, that's the things we do, right? Those are the words we say. They come out of our feelings. So it's, it's important to understand how that works, that an event in my life causes me to feel something which leads to a behavior. We react, we respond, right? But, but more importantly than just understanding the A, B, C pattern of that is understanding another important truth. It's our second takeaway this morning, that my heart has a fatal flaw. It's sin. Your heart, my heart, every other beating heart on this planet, they all have a fatal flaw. And that fatal flaw is that there is a default mode built into them. That default mode is to move further and further and further away from God and away from his word. That default mode is to worship ourselves, to make it all about me, what I want, what's good for me in this moment, that's what it's all about. And there are any number, dozens of Bible passages that make this explicitly clear. There are several, actually, that Jesus spoke, including the one we're going to look at, which Jesus said this not once, but multiple times, recorded in every gospel Take a look at what he says. We'll look at the, the section from Mark chapter 7. Jesus says, For it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly or foolishness, right? See, there's the default mode inaction. That's what the default mode leads to. It leads to just do what's good for you. You want to do it? Go for it. If it's going to feel good in the moment, do it. Who cares if it hurts somebody else? Who cares if it's not good for other people? It's about you. Is it good for your long-term interests? Even if, even if it means ripping off other people, go for it. Can you see why there's so much injustice and cruelty 
and hatred in the world? Because this is what comes out of every single human heart. And that includes yours and mine. And here's why we need to be careful. Because when we just listen to this, oh boy, it's going to tell us a lot of stuff that is not actually in our best interests. Not actually what's good for us in our relationship with God. Not actually what's good for us in terms of what God says. But what's most important to know about this is not just that the human heart is deceitful, that it has a fatal flaw. Not just that it is flawed, but that that flaw is fatal by nature. Because that flaw that wants us to move further and further and further away from God, well, a life that's lived apart from God and apart from God's word will end in an eternity apart from God. And God wants us to know that, to be aware of that, to recognize the danger that lurks in our hearts that have a flaw, not just a, a little one, but a fatal one, which is why God acted. It's kind of interesting. Sometimes we think, you know, I think God should listen to me a little bit more. You ever think that? That you know just as well as God, maybe even better, and if God would just do it my way, why wouldn't God do this? Why wouldn't he give me that? And we tend to put ourselves like on the same level as God. And as a result, I, I think sometimes we're tempted to project even our own emotions onto God. And so just imagine for a moment if God reacted like you and I do. That the event of our disobedience, our continual sin and rejection, led God to feel I'm pretty sure that emotion would not be warm and fuzzy. And the behavior that would result would be a disastrous end for us all. Which is why it's amazing that God doesn't. We might expect, and rightly so, that God would feel fury towards us who are so rotten. So all of these things but God feels mercy. We might expect that God would act out in wrath, but instead God acts out in compassion. We might expect, rightly so, unchecked anger, but instead God shows undeserved and unconditional love. We might expect that God would just send down an angel uh, an army of angels just to wipe out the planet, turn his back and walk away and start over somewhere else. But instead, God sent his son. And he did it for a far different purpose than wiping out or condemning. In fact, take a look at what maybe the familiar verses from John 3, verses 16 and 17 say. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is amazing. God so loved 
the world. The world that that hates him, the world that rejects him, the world that that pushes back and pushes away and, and wants nothing to do with God. God loved it. God loved us. And he loved us so that, right, he acted and he sent his son not to condemn the world. No, Jesus came to save it. So that everyone who believes in him, who trusts in him, as their Savior has life forever. See, Jesus accomplished that because he lived the perfect life that God, that God de- demands and that God designed people for. And, and not just he lived the perfect life in his behaviors, in just the words he said or the actions that he did, He lived the perfect life in the way he processed life in his heart. Think about that for a moment. You you know enough about Jesus' life, right, to know that, man, he had a lot of people who who turned up their noses at him, who turned their backs on him, who who just really struggled to believe that he was anything more than than a a scam artist, just a carpenter's son who's, who's telling a good story. There were a lot of people who hated him outright to his face, who, who got him into public situations and they would put on what they thought were logic bombs, right? That there's no way you can actually answer this question correctly without getting the crowd ticked off at you. They hated him. They, they wanted to kill him. He had his, his closest friends who after two and even three years, they still didn't get why he was there. They couldn't wrap their minds around it. He had one of his closest and dearest friends betray him because he's greedy. 30 silver coins. And you know what's amazing? Is not once did Jesus do like an eye roll out of just, you guys are so dumb. Wouldn't you? Not once did Jesus want to shake his fist and say, oh, want to wring their scrawny little necks, those Pharisees, like to teach them a thing or two, right? What are you going to do with the power of God, huh? And what's crazy is the thought never crossed his mind. It never went through his heart. That is amazing. With all of the rejection and all of the antagonism and all of the disbelief, never once Did Jesus' heart go where our hearts so naturally and easily go? He processed life perfectly. Perfectly and purely towards God. So that everything he said and did was the result of a pure heart towards God. And you know why that's so important? Not just so we would go, wow, that's impressive. But so that it would count for you and me. So that when he chose the greatest act of love in the history of the world, it was completely undeserved. And he could go to the cross and give his life, and there he would feel all of those things that we should feel. Wrath and fury and unchecked anger over sin, over our imperfect hearts and all of the garbage that comes out of them. Jesus felt God's wrath for them all so that we never would.
And here's what that means for you and me, that when God looks at you now, he sees this not rotten sin monster, but he sees Jesus. He sees beauty and perfection, not because you do such a good job trying, but because of Jesus. That's our third takeaway this morning. That Jesus' pure heart covers my corrupted heart by faith in him. And so the results of Jesus' death, his resurrection, they are massive, right? Not only do we have a different eternity, we're going to heaven. For all who believe in him, you're going to heaven. Not the wrath apart from God that we deserve. We have a new life, a new purpose, a new outlook on life, on the world, on God. And we even have a new heart. And that's what our next verse from 2 Corinthians 5 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. If anyone is in Christ, that's you. That's me, right? We who believe in Jesus as our Savior, who trust in him for our salvation rather than trusting in ourselves, we are in Christ. And that means you are a new creation. That means God has put in you a new heart. A heart that he sees as pure and perfect and holy because of Jesus. That doesn't mean, though, that life is automatically easy. Because while God sees beauty and perfection, I know what still lives in my heart, and it's sin, right? And the, the wicked and selfish thoughts that flow out of it that result in all well, the behaviors that we know far too well. And those won't be gone completely until heaven. But because we are in Christ, because Jesus died for me, because I know God's love for me, I want to live for him. It changes my perspective and my purpose in life. Instead of this selfish one, instead of worshiping me, I want to worship God. How? That's the question, right? How do I do that? Because how do I get to where, what Solomon said at the beginning? Above all else, guard your heart. How do I get there? So that this corrupted heart, this sin-sick person lives for God. Well, take a look at our last verse. It's beautifully simple, but it's not easy. The Apostle Paul writing says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's the part that we really want to focus on today. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought, every thought that flows out of your heart. Every thought, every feeling that comes out, God says, I want you to grab it and not just run with it, not just let it go free, let that anger flow, right? That's what the emperor would say. That's not what God says. He says, I want you to take it captive and I want you to make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? It means simply that you align your heart with the truth of what Jesus has done for you with the truth of what God says to you, for you, and about you 
in his word. Align your heart. You know what happens when your cars, when, when your tires on your car are in perfect alignment, right? In theory, don't try this. In theory, you can take your hands off the wheel and your car is going to keep going straight down the road because everything is perfect alignment, right? But if even just one tire is just a little bit out of alignment, well, it starts to drift either into the ditch or into oncoming traffic. And neither one is good, but that sure sounds an awful lot like life, doesn't it? When our hearts are lined up with God's word, with, with what God says about us, with what Jesus has done, when our hearts are lined up there, that doesn't mean all the problems in life are gone. But it means when the problems come along, we know who we are, where we're going, and we even have a way to navigate through them because we know God's promises. But when our hearts aren't, aren't aligned with God's word, well, that's when it gets messy, doesn't it? We tend to veer off into head-on collisions with difficulties in life. Or maybe we even swerve into the ditch of despair completely. God wants us to align ourselves with his word. That's what the habit is, right? We're in the series of habits, and here's what the habit is. I'm going to break it down for you. So think about it like this. When something happens in your life, an event, right? And you feel something, right? And you know that you know this feeling, you've been here before. Maybe it's something that happens over and over again, right? Maybe it's kind of your default emotion. Worry, fear, frustration, anger, whatever that one is. And you know that, man, when I get there, it's really hard to get out of it. I, I tend to just kind of sit here and spin or maybe even swirl down and it, it goes bad. When you feel that, when that emotion kicks in, here's what I want you to do. It's part of our fourth takeaway. Push pause. You know this. Nothing good is going to come out if you react now. You know it because you've done it. You've seen the results, right? You know the behaviors that come out of this feeling. So push pause. Take a deep breath. Go to your room. Go walk around the block. Pray whatever you need to do to get a little bit of space so that your behavior is not an automatic outflow of that feeling. Push pause. Now, the second piece of that is to identify the emotion. And this sounds simple. My daughter, one of my daughters went through a, a class a couple of years ago with a, a, a gifted and talented. He was a counselor for the area. And he did this really fascinating thing of trying to describe an emotion. And do you know how most frustration and hurt and sadness comes out? As anger. So identify what you actually are feeling. Am I feeling angry or am I just frustrated? Am I just being selfish? Am I just being impatient? What, what am I feeling? What's the real thing here? Is there some kind of underlying, uh, underlying insecurity that's fostering and feeding this? Identify what that is. And then, 
validate it. Sounds silly, but this is actually a really small but important step. You're not crazy. You're not crazy that when all the people in the line at school would not let you back out like happened to me on Thursday, and I sat in that parking spot for 14 minutes with my backup lights on, I got mad. In fact, I texted my wife, I'm ticked. No smiley face. I had to do this. True confessions, right? I had to. I knew what the emotion was. I had to validate it. It's, it's okay, right? Everybody else was being kind of rude, or maybe they couldn't see that my backup lights were on. But I, it was legit that I, in the moment I was annoyed, frustrated. But really, I needed to stop then and align it with God's word. And that's the last piece of the takeaway. Right? It's okay. It's good to validate it, to recognize this happened, and I feel this, and that is not wrong to feel, but I need to then align the, tr- the emotion with the truth of God's word. Don't align it with what the world says. Don't align it with what your heart is telling you. Because I'll tell you, my heart in the parking lot was saying, just back up. And then my wife reminded me, you have a bumper sticker with our church name. <laughs> Align with your emotion with God's word. Let me give you a couple of examples of what that looks like, okay? So, you're feeling guilt. Plagued by guilt. And maybe it's legit, right? Something that you did something that you said and you feel this emotion intensely, that's not bad. Pause, identify, am I feeling guilt? Am I feeling shame? Is this, is this real? Validate it, right? I did this. I should be feeling guilt about it. But then it's important to align it with what Jesus did, with what God says. Because if I align it with what Jesus did and I know that he forgives it and I keep feeling guilt and I keep beating myself up and letting it eat away at me for days or weeks or months, well, now that's gotten way out of proportion, way out of hand. God wants us to align our emotions with the truth of his word. Something like this from Psalm 32. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I repented of it and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Because that's what God does. When we go and say, Lord, forgive me, and we repent, he forgives. And that guilt is gone. There may still be consequences. There may be difficult repercussions for what I said or what I did. But it's not because of my guilt with God. That's gone. Jesus paid for it completely. It's washed away. Maybe you're feeling alone or unloved. And maybe that's true. 
The problem is we start to think just because nobody called me or texted me today and all these other people are out there doing their own lives and having all this fun, nobody loves me, nobody cares. Well, that's not true. And so it's important to identify the emotion. I'm feeling alone and validated. I haven't talked with another friend all day and that's, nobody's, nobody's reached out to me. That is, that's okay. I, I can understand why I feel alone. But understand that's not the reality. So align it with God's word. Align it with the truth that because of Jesus, you will never be alone. You are never abandoned or forsaken or left by yourself. Because he was. So that you wouldn't be. And so maybe having a verse like Joshua 1, I will be with you, God says. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Because there are all kinds of promises in the Bible, all kinds of promises from God, all kinds of truth from God for you. When you're feeling that nobody cares about you, that you don't fit in, that you're an outcast or a misfit, when you're feeling anger or resentment or bitterness or worry or anxiety or fear, guess what? God knows And he has truth in his word about that. He has promises for you. And so listen to what he says. And it's really important then to do that last step, aligning it with God's word, which means you have to know God's word, or you have to find at least that piece of God's word that speaks to what I struggle with. And not just like, okay, I've heard it before, but no, that, that is in front of me day in and day out because I know I'm going to end up right back in the worry bucket. I'm going to end up right back in the anger zone. I'm going to end up feeling alone again because that is where I tend to go. That is what my heart tells me. But that's not what God says. And so I need to find the truth from God and I need to put it in front of me day in and day out so that I see it, I hear it. Maybe it's on the lock screen of your phone or written on your bathroom mirror or on the the wall or the door at work. Whatever it needs to be for you so that that truth from God is in front of you so that you align your heart because this temptation isn't going away. Your heart isn't going to become pure overnight. This is a habit that you have to practice over and over and over again because your heart is going to lead you astray over and over and over again. That's why God wants us to align it with his word, to guard it. Because while we would never choose bad events for our lives, God brings about some of the most amazing and powerful things in our lives through them especially when we handle them in spiritually healthy ways. Because when the difficulty strikes, when the event happens, we realize again, I am too weak to handle this. But God is so powerful and so strong above me and behind me and around me and in me and for me. And that Jesus, my Savior, forgives me and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness is new again today. 
and I needed it again. Because events are going to happen. So guard your hearts. Know the truth of God and his word and align your heart with that truth. Amen.